G'day and welcome to episode 35 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and it's a privilege to be back here for 2021. For everyone, I hope you've had a great Christmas break, a happy new year, and that this year is full of opportunities for you. This year, I decided for January, we're going to focus on the topic of mental health. Thought after last year, there was a few events that led me to this path. One, we had a very successful November fundraising campaign. We raised nearly 22 grand. And I thought it was worthwhile going down this conversation path. I think it's an area where we're not comfortable asking questions and sometimes we just need to have a chat. Prior to Christmas as well, I actually lost a mate from university to suicide. And so subsequently, across the Christmas period, I took the chance to chat with more and more friends. It brought to light just how many of them are actually suffering with mental health problems. For me, it's an area I know we can do a whole lot more in. It's bloody uncomfortable to talk about, but to slightly tailor a quote by Brene Brown, the conversations around mental health aren't nearly as dangerous as what we create through our silence. Yes, they're uncomfortable. They require a bit of vulnerability, but I'll be damned if I'm not gonna publicly let my friends and family know that there is support out there. So today, I'm taking the chance when I was in Brizzy at the end of last year to sit down with Dan, Allen and Ed Ross from Trademark and Mark Allerman from This Is A Conversation Starter Foundation. The boys are starting conversations one loud work shirt at a time and you might remember Ed. He featured on the podcast in the early days last year. So today we're going to sit down and talk with the boys about their work and if at any stage you feel like you need to talk to someone, tx.org or tx foundation have a free text chat and callback service connecting individuals seeking counseling services with qualified professionals so if you feel like you're struggling and need to talk to someone get in touch with tx.org or text or call 04888 so dan ed mark so welcome, mate. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks That's very much for having us, mate. Massive effort, twenty-two thousand. It's insane. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, top forty in Australia, which was bloody cool, so. mate. That's epic. So I think, um, yeah, we're just going around the room. It'd be awesome. So obviously, we got Dan and Ed from from Trademark, but also Mark, who sits behind the scenes at TX. Um, so Mark, yeah, it'd be great just to understand, I suppose, a little bit of of your background and then how you came to be involved and setting up the charity with the boys. Yeah, awesome. Look up. I was a tradie a uh, long time ago, bricklayer, and um, in my 40s went through my own mental health battles, you know, suicidal and that sort of stuff, and, and kept it from my family, which is, you know, quite often what happens. You know, we, we don't share as guys what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, I was, I was fortunate to, you know, even though I got up a few times at night to actually you know, end my life and that sort of stuff, I'd look at the kids and look at the family and go, oh, maybe not tonight. And um, I finally reached a point where I said something to my wife, which acted as a catalyst to go and get help. So I went on my own journey for a few years, but came out the other side much better for that. Um, and then a couple of years later, was fortunate enough to, you know, meet this pair of roosters and... Um, <laughs> and, um, and hear their story and what they were trying to achieve, and it really resonated... Um, with me so um uh, over the next few months you know we got the charity up and running and the boys invited me in to to come and help kick that off and um a year or so later here we are now with uh, a couple of full-time psychs and um just starting to really shake things up in the system a little bit you know we're we're different and we're proudly different um you know but we're, we're trying to be more proactive you know we're not a band-aid and this is not disrespectful to Lifeline or Beyond Blue. They do a great job, but it's a one-off phone call. Um, whereas what we offer is qualified psychology um, for as long as people need it without cost. You know, and especially in terms of trade-related industries, the blue-collar stuff, you know, because we're not registered with Medicare or private health funds, you know, it's completely off the record. So there's no impact on your health record. There's no impact with your insurance. So there's no boosting your premiums and that sort of stuff. Um, we're bound by the same ethics as any other psychologist in the country. So um, I think what we're offering is really unique. It's definitely needed. Um, and, you know, the journey so far has just been awesome. And so that, like, the sense of community which you guys are, are growing, because it, like, it sounds like it's all built on relationships and it's ongoing, it's not transactional as such, but 
Like what, what was the tipping point and I suppose when you're starting at the ground to really build that community? Did it start within your friendship circles or where did it start? <laughs> not really. <laughs> not within the friendship circles. It was We were just lucky to get some early PR with what we were doing. And it just resonated with people and it built off there, I suppose. I talk about it all the time. It wasn't anything we were ever expecting um, to create a community of people, if that makes sense. Like we wanted people to be wearing our shirts and starting conversations, but we didn't realise that would bring a lot of people, you know, together. We hear stories all the time, complete strangers just see someone else in a trademark shirt and then they just become mates. And it's just like this, yeah, people have just got this weird connection just through a bit of fabric and a, and a logo. Um, same team. Same I feel team. like you're part of the same team. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's really it's really cool. And uh, I mean that yeah, the community we've been able to to grow. Um, again, we're only talking it talking about it last night with uh, Kate Everett. Was the <laughs> the fact that the community of people we have is so different to every other community we've ever seen, especially on like a Facebook forum, where it's just like everyone's just there for one another. You know what I mean? Normally there's always some jibe comment. There's a list of people hating on each other and just shit getting thrown. Whereas, yeah, like the mud hut we've got um, is just this really cool, positive space. It's just like amazing. Have you guys got a favourite, like, or ma- maybe not a favourite, but one moment which really kind of ac- along the journey stands out as like we're onto something and, and here's the tipping point? We, we've had those moments regularly since we started. I mean, we started by making a shirt, you know. We never intended to make a charity or, you know, grow a community or start a podcast or any of this kind of stuff. So within the business, we've had wins all the way that we're like, fuck yeah, this is awesome, you know. We, we were only talking yesterday with a bloke who's coming in to do a photo shoot with us next week who one of our team members, Kate, met at the gym and... You know, she's pointed this guy out. She's found this guy, be perfect for photo shoot next week. Wouldn't know him from a bar of soap. Came in to meet us yesterday. And he, yeah, had made the connection the day before he came in that he used to live with my mate who took his life like eight years ago in Chapel Hill. And I didn't know this guy. He didn't know me from a bar of soap. But he's just like, holy shit, this is such a small world moment. He's like... I've seen this stuff about, you know, my mate Dan who took his life and um, I've known about Trademark this whole time but I had no idea about the connection and then Kate has made friends with him at the gym, asked me if he wanted to be in a photo shoot for Trademark. Happens all the time. Comes in and he's like, dude, I used to live with fucking Dan. I'm like, wow, you know, and he's like, and even he says, he's like, if that's not a sign that like I'm supposed to be here and I'm like, mate, we're all about signs. We're getting these signs all the time mm. that, you know, the right things are happening at the right time. and uh, Yeah, yeah. It, it is just, crazy. It just blows you away. And um, then, yeah, and then, like, stories of impact too. And I've, I've said this one a bit. I was in the office there one day by myself and I was talking to some people, um, yeah, down in Tamworth. And uh, this guy was talking to me on the phone. He's like, you know, fuck these shirts. He's like, they're just incredible. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, mate. He's like, yeah, literally, like, he, he lost his wife oh, years ago and he had a young family and a young son, and he said, you know, we never really spoke about it. We never really talked about it. And uh, one day, son walked through the door wearing one of our shirts, and he reckons he just went, what the fuck is this thing, you know? And, and um, he reckons his son sat him down, and they just, you know, talked it out 45 minutes an hour, sat there crying, just talked about all this shit that they'd never talked about just because of this shirt. And, yeah, I was in the office by myself that day, and I, sat, I reckon I sat in my chair and just fucking stared out the window for about an hour after it, just being like, holy fuck. Just out of nowhere, something like that has, has really made an impact in someone's life. You know what I mean? And um, and ag- again, it's not something we're setting out to do. It's just morphing into this beast. It's yeah, it's really cool. It's interesting, isn't it? Like uh, like it's built on the back of communication, which I just think is the the art of communication. Like it is just the sim. It is the simplest thing asking someone how they are. But it's like even look at our emails. How everyone starts them. It's hope you're well. And it's like you don't necessarily need somebody to be opening up to you on the email but if if one person does yeah like at least you're asking the question yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and people i mean it's all the it like we've we've never been more connected but we've never been more disconnected you know what i mean like we can get onto anyone anytime but it's sort of you know how often are you you know on the phone talking to mates these days you know like i make a, a like a, a really a big um effort to to ring you know close mates at least once a month and have a yarn to them on the phone like i've got mates in wa and yeah mates out west and stuff that 
often pick the phone up and call. But my, I, I don't think a lot of people sort of do that stuff these days because, you know, you see what's on Facebook or Messenger and then all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I haven't spoken to that bloke in six months. You you, know you're I mean? absolutely right, Rossi. Actually, the research tells us just within our own country, 40% of Australians don't feel like they're connected to anybody. So they're feeling personally isolated. So despite social media and everything that's going on, we mm. are the most disconnected society in all of human history. Yeah, and it is. And it's alarming. Yeah, yeah. No, it is, and it's, it's obviously a major contributing factor to the downfall of everyone's mental well-being. So, yeah, our ability to start conversations, just, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, it's a fundamental piece. Look, for, for you guys this year, how ha, have you changed, like, as the year was going on, I suppose you guys have been together for the last couple of years working together and then lockdown comes through. Did, did it change the way you guys interacted, how you worked oh, as a team? Everyone shit the bed. That's what yeah. <laughs> we've been saying. Like everyone, as soon as COVID happened, like, yeah. It definitely changed the way we interacted. I mean, we designed our, one of our, you know, latest ranges over Zoom. You know what I mean? Like coming for a couple ch- chippies, like what the fuck is Zoom? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and who knew that, who knew that you could do that, you know, but we're forced to do that. And I suppose it's, yeah, it's pretty cool the way that, you know, everyone's been able to adapt and, and, and forge ahead. But, I mean, at the same time, yeah, I remember when that hit, when COVID hit, and we were like, fuck, right, oh, we're in the mental health space. What can we do? What, like, what are we going to do here? We're going to step up. But I was very much like, well, what can we do? What are we supposed to do differently now? Like, we can't put more pressure on ourselves to try to be more for people. We've still got to kind of do you know, look out for ourselves and just do what we know how to do. But I remember there for about a month thinking, what, like, what are we supposed to be doing here? Because we're in the mental health space. I don't think TX was up and running yet, the, the service, was no, it? No, no, we launched second or third week that Queensland went into lockdown. Because we were trying to figure out, right, what can we give people? How can we, how can we help people right now to get through this? Not realising that we didn't have a clue how to get through it ourselves, or at least me. Um, I mean, is that my alone on that? <laughs> Fuck uh, no. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think we certainly felt some sort of a obligation and pressure to, to do that, to be more. Uh, but, you know, we were just as confused as anyone, and we had to run a business as well. So, yeah, it was fucking scary. Mm. Mm. And, like, on that too, because this is where I won't say I've got a, a bone to pick, but even, like, say, with November or Are You OK Day, like, everything we do just seems to be a tick box, and it's like... There's nearly like this rush reaction where everyone comes in, gets involved, does it. Like, are you okay today? You probably see, you're here from 100 people you wouldn't have seen on your mm. social media just yeah. posting if you if you need help, reach out. But it's like, how do we, how, and that's what you guys are trying to do is shift this culture, but how do we tangibly and actually change it so it just becomes part of our yeah. day-to-day? Yeah, it's all about being, it's all about the vulnerability side of things. And I mean, the, the interesting thing is like there are days that happen all the time. And Dan will be, because Dan runs our social media, and he'll be like, oh, it's fucking whatever day it is. We're like, oh, sweet. You know what I mean? We're, like, we've never had, we've never been behind any day, literally because it's every day for us. If that makes sense. Like, it's mental health every day. The biggest misconception is that we don't, you know, we don't all have our own demons. Like, everyone has mental health. Like, that's the biggest thing. And it's it's really frustrating, like, the lack of education understanding out there, especially from these big days, to let people know that, fuck, you know, the are you okay piece isn't about so much looking out for mates. It's, fuck, are you personally all right? And it's got to be every day. It's got to be so much more often than, than once a year. And the ability for people to show vulnerability and explain, and that's what we try and do. Like, we get on this podcast, write articles, Get on social media. We try and be as vulnerable as we can. And like, talk about, all yeah. All the time. The shit that we've gone through. Like, you know, we've... Dan and I are both on mental health plans at the moment just from the end of the year. You know what I mean? Like, for fuck... I'm, yeah, it's been a massive year. And I mean, where And we talk about shit that we go through all the time. You know, Mark's just spoken about what he's been through. And I mean, to... For someone out there to go, holy fuck, these, like, these guys are going through it. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. 
You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. But it's okay for me to be going through it and there's places I can go to go, go and get help. That's what the biggest thing for us is. Yeah, and, and was there a learning for you guys? And this is something like I've been talking with mates about over the last few weeks, but nearly like a realisation when you're sitting there in the tractor as well. But <laughs> Plenty of realisations <laughs> when you're yeah. going up and down the tractor. Yeah. <laughs> but like when it comes to, I suppose, unloading your problems or even just opening up to someone, there's this perception that you're going to be burdening someone by, if I'm having shit day, shit week or whatever, and be like, and, and damn, we're, we're just yarning and you're saying how good everything's been, you've just got promotion at work or you're off on somebody smoking on date or whatever. And then I'll be like, I'm going to... Likely story. (laughs) (laughs) Things are up. And then, like, unloading my, say, problems, but, like, I need to talk to someone, but you're, at the same time, too, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to ruin your day. Uh, Yeah, I think it's about practising that, you know, because I think I came in this morning, I was a bit late, and I had some shit to unload on this bloke straight away. And I just did, this is half an hour ago, you know what I mean? Um, but we've formed a relationship where we've practiced doing that a lot with each other mm. all the fucking time. <laughs> and so I know that I can talk to this guy about anything. He knows he can talk to me about anything. I've got a selection of mates who are, you know, my brother as well. You know, I know these guys, they're the people in my life, mams even, you know, we talk about everything and I feel safe and comfortable to, to know that I can do that. And I know that they don't perceive my problems as becoming their problems. If anyone truly cares about you, they don't. It's not a burden to them, um, and they don't need to be there to solve my issues either. It's all about venting for the most part for the person who's got something to vent about, and that process in itself is cathartic. It, it helps. It helps a lot. Um, so you know, I, I think this idea of your problems becoming someone else's problems, sure, it is a it is a real you know. You know, yeah, th- that exists, but I think it's well, the psychology part of it. It's like you know what Dan's just said: him being able to vent, just get it off his chest. I mean, and Mark, we all know, like psychologists aren't actually there to solve your problem; they're just there to help you navigate the problem yourself. So it's sort of, and that's exactly what every time that we've ever had a yarn, like I'm not, never being like, "Fuck, well, this is what you got to go do this, this, and this." It's sort of like you just you're just chatting it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? We um, we use the analogy of a rally car. So, you know, you're the driver and the psychologist is there like the navigator. Mm-hmm. So they're telling you, you know, shift down, get ready, right turn. You might turn left and that's absolutely okay because you're in charge of that vehicle. They're just held there to help you get back on the right track. Yeah. You know, you, you're the master in your own story. For I can give you a perfect example of, in my own experience of, of talking to a, a couple. I've had three sessions with a psych in the past three weeks. Um, and after getting on a mental health plan, which I went to my GP for, and thank fuck I've got a good GP. Anyone listening, if you want to go and have a yarn with anyone, start with your GP. They are a wealth of knowledge. Absolutely. They can point you in a whole lot of good directions. They understand it. It's just good. But I have had, on the business side, a heap of good things happening this year. Incredible. TX has provided over 850 contact hours with mental health professionals. Trademarks employed, you know, and we've got a whole heap of staff. We're going from strength to strength. It's all great on that side. Personal life, family, fucked, sort of, you know, the way that I perceive it, you know. Not great. Had a heap of things to deal with. Talked to the psych about it, and he, there was sort of a revelation, you know, not a revelation, but he goes, you know, I want to say a couple of words to you. Um, help a uh, protector provider. He goes, what does that mean to you? And I was like, well, yeah, um, I suppose that's maybe who I am. You know what I mean? He goes, yeah, that is who you are. That's that's your personality. And you find it hard to say no. I know that without even knowing you. And I get to sit in that space and just be like, yeah, you know, I do like to help people. I do like to protect people. Um, and I do find it hard to say no because I like to be that person who can be that for everyone else. But no one had ever said that to me before. And it's just like having a third party who can say that to you and, and make you sort of understand and realise something about yourself that's a good thing. And I'm proud of the fact that that's who I am. But also, I believe your thing's greatest strength is also its greatest weakness kind of thing. And you can have that on one side, which is great, but you've got to protect yourself on the other side because if you give too much of yourself or if you care too much or if you try to be everything to everyone, it's to your own detriment, to your own demise, and, and you will come unstuck. And that's okay. 
it's just about understanding things about yourself. And once you understand stuff about yourself, you can better manage yourself. You can equip yourself with tools and understanding to identify signs or know when the load's getting too much. And yeah, that's for my experience, seeking professional mental health support. That's what it is to me. Like That's what it has become to me. It's just finding out more about yourself, but having someone who knows more about this stuff than a lot of us blokes do put it in terms that you can kind of understand mm. and you can work with. Mm. So it's a really positive thing. It's a, such a positive experience seeking support. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. And I suppose the hard part, like swinging back to the agricultural side, and like, yeah, I was in that industry for, well, growing up all my life and then four, five years out of school. It's because um, it's such an old demographic of people, you know, like our generation majority of people are going back to family farms and they're working for old men and they might even still be working for their father. So there's like three generations on properties and it's like, fuck, there's financial stress. Stress, It's, it's you know, fuck, what, am I going to be here long term? Is this going to be actually my place, the succession planning stuff, starting a family? And then it's just like, fuck, who can I turn to? Because you don't want, like, people don't want to show weakness to their, their old man because because their generation's completely different. What about the level of expectation oh, too to carry fuck. on to carry on the legacy? It is. And it's like, oh, fuck, I've got to go home because dad's like, fuck, we've had all this drought or fuck, whatever's going on, I've got to go home. It's just like, mate, you know? like And people just, and then they get stuck in their own bubble and then it's just, it's just so hard. And yeah. I suppose that, you know, anyone out there listening is, you know, the TX Foundation's obviously there. To, to reach out to and, and utilise if you're up and down in that track to having a shit time. What's the number, Ed? 04 888 468 never. I always forget it off the top of my head. When Dan you always rolls it, it off. When are you going to make a jingle? Well, Dan's tried, but it's... I've got, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to do it right now. But <laughs> Come on, give it a crack. It's like, oh. Four, triple eight, four, six, nine, double eight. <laughs> and there's probably a clap in there somewhere. Yeah, it's definitely not. Don't get it confused with the reading writing hotline. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> or Lube Mobile. <laughs> I, I think we might need to throw that out as a competition. Yeah, yeah bloody actually, oath. especially bloody having oath. heard that. Actually, Dan, you raised a really good point that I just want to go back to, and that is we need to acknowledge that it's okay sometimes to put yourself forward, right? To put yourself first, look after your own mental health, you know. If, if a plane starts to decompress, there's a reason they tell you to put your own mask on first. It's because you're useless to everybody else if you pass out. Yeah. So it's the same thing with our mental health. There comes a point where we've just got to take care of ourselves first, um, you know, to look after those around us or to continue to be the, the, the person that's making impact around others. The interesting thing is that I haven't heard anyone that has reached out and got help and said it was a waste of time. Fucking never met one. If there's anyone out there listening that has, ring me because I want to know who you are because I've never heard that. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories of people who do reach out for help and maybe the first, you know, mental health professional or whoever that they speak to isn't the right fit and maybe the second one isn't the right fit either. And that's cool because I think with this kind of stuff, it's really important to, to try to find, you know, uh, to try to find that middle ground and, and kind of resonate with each other. I think that is really important. But the fact of the matter is to do that, you have to try and you have to be willing to accept the fact that maybe the first time you seek help, maybe it's not the right solution. But the Use right, the pizza analogy. The pizza analogy is great. Justin Gange from Mates in Construction. Shout out Justin Gange. <laughs> Strange Gange, they call him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he talks about seeking mental health support like eating pizza. And if you go to a shitty pizza shop, get a shit pizza, you're not going to stop eating pizza for the rest of your life. You're just going to go, go to find a different, pizza, different pizza joint. You know what I mean? It's like you don't you don't just completely kibosh an entire delicious cuisine just because <laughs> you had one bad experience. Like, why would you ever let that ruin pizza? <laughs> so true. And um, on that, like, when it comes to reaching out to people, do you... When it comes to, I suppose, choosing between your mates or a stranger with something like the TX hotline, like, do you think it's, like, there needs to be more supporters in, like, you're going to go talk to this stranger, fair chance you'll never, ever meet them. Like, just go and say what you want and... Yeah, well... Like, what's the... Yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of people out there that would rather speak to someone that they can't see, never... They'll probably never meet. I've uh, got no idea who they are. Um because, I mean, some people would have a reservation because it might be something that they're going through with a mate, you know what I mean? And they don't want that to get out. So, they're, yeah, they're, there's resources there like that. But at the same time, I suppose, I yeah, I mean, I like being able to talk to, like, Dan and, and Mams here when, when I've got shit going on um, because, like, I trust their judgment and I know they're able to listen 
and they're not going to, yeah, no matter what's sort of gone on, they're not going to ridicule me or look less of me or what's gone on. It's sort of like, yep, you know, either it's shit or, you know, we can work through this, whatever. Um, but it's the the trust and there's like that, that no judgment feel. So there's definitely mates out there you can do it to. You know, everyone's got that mate. Yeah. I'm sure they do. And if they don't, well, then, you know, there's resources out there. Yeah. I, I, can I just say, I think one of the biggest problems is that first instance of reaching out for help uh, because so many people... I'm a heavy gut feel bloke. I trust my gut. I think everyone has a, you know, people have strong intuition and gut feels. And sometimes we try to ignore that and we try to go with our head instead. And like this year, for instance, you know, I probably knew I wasn't firing on all cylinders for quite some time. I think probably a whole bunch of people around me knew that I wasn't firing on all cylinders, but I just kept persevering and you know realizing that i wasn't really feeling quite right but you know just thought you know whatever i can do this very common i think for sure but at some point i think you got to make a decision and acknowledge your true feeling and the true emotions that you feel within your gut and if something's not right it's not just going to fix itself um you know so many people just persevere with the same stuff every day the same thought patterns the same things that keep coming up the same issues in their job or the issues in their relationship or whatever it is that you know the issues with their diet or relationship with alcohol and substances you know we can keep on doing it and we get good at what we practice fuck we get good at what we practice whether it's cut and piss or you know whatever it might be like whatever it is that we practice we get really good at it and that that becomes comfortable and so it becomes a new normal. Uh, but at some point, you know, you've got to want to help yourself. And you can't, no one can force you to do that. No amount of podcasts. It's got to, it's or, got to be you, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. You, you can listen. I mean, hopefully people listen to this podcast and, and hopefully it does resonate with someone. But you've got to want to help yourself. It's not on anyone else to do that. And so that's, I suppose, what we want to be able to provide with TX is a really, you know, safe and reliable first point of contact for anyone who decides they want to help themselves. Because once they reach out, the hard part's done. Yeah. Once you've done that first that first point of contact, you realise that you can do that. Oh, gee, it's actually not as bad as what I thought it was. It's really not a scary process. We've got some lovely psychologists. <laughs> and that, Nat is fantastic. They're so, they're so nice. Like, they're just people. You know yeah. what I mean? They're not going to pick your brains apart and tell you why you're all fucked up. <laughs> That's not what they're there for. <laughs> they're, not, they're not there to make you feel any worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I just think help-seeking behaviour is something that blokes have struggled with for a long yeah. time and are pro- it's probably prevalent in the ag industry as it is in any industry right um so that's we exist you know in trademark we really exist to help change that that's part of the cultural shift is how can people ask for help because even within our business we wouldn't be here today in business if we didn't ask plenty of people for business advice shitloads because what we don't know i didn't know anything about you know running a fashion (laughs) business like or starting a charity the only reason the charity exists is because we reached out to mams and asked him for help you know what i mean like We've yep. got to be better at asking for help because we are not expected to do everything ourselves and we can't be. I think, but yeah, and then again, like the, the from the agricultural side, like the, there is a big, big, like it's not it's not a stigma, but it's just like this code in, in agriculture where, fuck, you know, everyone knows everything and you can't be told how to do anything better. You know what I mean? Like you see it everywhere and that's like the hardest part is to break through and just be like asking for help is the, easy, is the easiest way around a problem. Yeah, fuck, it can is. I, can I ask a question about specifically to the ag industry? Yes, you can, Dan. Thank you. Now? <laughs> Hand up, you please. Just, you good? Just, yeah. <laughs> question from the floor. What do you feel about the level, the competitive nature between, um, I don't know, maybe families or individuals or, you know, different farms or, you know, when people are in the same game? Is there is there like an unhealthy level of competition to be better than, you know, say, I wouldn't say anyone unhe- else? I wouldn't say like, unhealthy. But mm. I think it is very, you know, it, and like, it does get very judgy. And like wanting all the, you know, the toys to show off the success or that you've had a, you know, a, a bumper season well, I think or the any thing, of that sort of stuff. The thing is that it's like, well, you know, you'd know more Ollie than me, but like, you know, when you drive down the road, you can pretty quickly tell how good an operator someone is compared to someone else. You know what I mean? Like you can just get to a fence line and be like, fuck me dead. That bloke there is running a fairly ordinary show compared to this bloke here. And it's sort of, yeah, people, people yeah, it is a it is a weird industry in regards to the the bitchiness and the fucking yeah. 
And so yeah. the chatter, like the background chatter about it, I think. I was going to say, like, it's funny in terms of, like, for instance, like, just let's say someone's growing a five-ton wheat crop and their neighbour might be struggling a little bit, mightn't be as good a grower, and but they'll they'll never share their insights. It's like, guys, you're, you're selling into the world market. Yeah, if, you help if John each other. next door's going to yeah. grow six ton, like, he's not going to change the price for you. Like, it's amazing how there's such strong sense of community in these areas, but then when it comes to, yeah, well, I suppose it's the competitive nature of it, like, it is extremely competitive. And I say, as you were talking about, a couple of like, the, the pieces before around succession and I suppose that, that business transition piece. Like, yeah, I was chatting to a mate the other day and he kind of said to me, he's like, I wish I'd never come back to the family farm. And I was like, oh, well, what do you mean? And he said, oh, like, I could have left uni, gone off, managed a corporate farm and worked my way up. But he said, now I'm mid-30s, mm. I've got yeah. a kid on the way, he said, I feel trapped. Yeah. And he said, and I've completely ruined my relationship with my dad because we've had this amazing personal relationship growing up, really involved. And he said, now I'm at the point where I need to make decisions. I've got a family, but I'm trapped here. And and it was like, holy shit. Like, That's a tough one. But that happened. No, I, I reckon that happens, would, happens so all the time. Yeah. Um, because it's just like, it's such an old school mentality. And that's and you'd know saying when we went to Marcus, that was the first thing they drummed into us. Like, that's all I remember is like succession planning. If you're not doing succession planning, there's going to be a huge fuck up. And it's sort of uh, the, the pressure that's felt because that's exactly what happens. Like people go back fuck, most of the time. Work for 30 or 40 grand a year. <laughs> Had to say, you're getting paid at fuck all. Normally, if you've got a missus, they're busting their ass driving in and out of town to make sufficient income. Um, you know, then you start having a kid. And then the same thing, you get to 30 and you're like, well, I'm trapped here now. I've got no money. I don't have anything to go and work into unless I want to go and, you know, start junior somewhere at a, you know, a corporate. Um, now I've got to hope like hell that this place is going to be handed down to me at some stage. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is tough and people get trapped and it's, um, yeah, it's awful. It is oh, really tough. So many, like so many of my mates now are in that position where they are, or they've got married or they're thinking about having kids or they've got kids on the ground. And it's like, they, they honestly are, are trapped and it's not, yeah, I don't know if the, the, the parents are protective because they've built up incredible businesses, but it's like, when there's all this energy and enthusiasm coming in and it's just getting crushed and crushed. Like, it's just, the, it's just always that money side. That's the hardest part. It's just like the finance. It's the same thing. It's like mental health. Money, no one's fucking talking about it. But it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the one thing everyone needs to work out. But, you know, 95% of people are so shithouse at fucking talking about that stuff. Communication. Do we, do we know anyone who's cut their losses and gone and, and, and just been like, nah, I'm out? Because like, uh, I know these stories. Like I've heard these stories about people getting trapped. But are there any positive stories that we oh, know? Oh, yeah. My brother-in-law. Cut brother their losses. Yeah, brother-in-law. He just... See ya. We're, we're going. And just and my old man, same thing. Fucking cut his losses and left. Whatever it was, twenty years ago. Yeah, right. It what, yeah. is a lot of it a sense of responsibility as opposed to following your own passion. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I think people that feel obligation. Like, like, like like obligation of family legacy it, and that sort of thing. People do feel a pressure. I think to go home. Like I wasn't in that situation. I didn't have anything to go home to. But I know of people that did feel the pressure to go home. Mm. Sure. And family dynamics are very difficult to manage they they really are even when the going's good like family it's just a whole nother family and business well they don't mix do they very tough yeah and and oh that's such a good point because on yeah we know that we've talked about that a lot before and that's exactly what the a lot of these situations are it's families families and they're, they're running a business yeah because it's like yeah i've got a rule it's my rule for life it's just like Family and business, there's nothing. You know, no matter how many businesses I start or, you know, are involved in, I'll never have a business, a family member invested or working in it, ever. Yeah. Just it's because just, it's, it's not worth it. It is just not worth it, you know, because it just happened like, yeah, well, I come from a, a family that did that and it's just, you know, exploded. Oh, that's so interesting. But, but that's what the dynamic is, is because, mm. oh, we're still, you know, you're still my old man and I'm your son, but hey, I'm working for you. You're paying me fuck all. And you've got an asset that I eventually are going to need. Otherwise, what the fuck am I going to so, do? And, you, and it's kind of catch-22 because if you want to inherit it one day and, and, and continue on the family legacy, well, then you've got to be around to work in it. But if you piss off mm. oh, well, just then. to avoid the, the yeah. conflict that might arise, well, you're it's never going to learn now. the ropes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not yours. Yeah. Oh, mate, that is <laughs> Did deep. You, you've had a light bulb moment. No, the, but, that, <laughs> but that is, seriously, that, that is, is seriously deep because that may be, that may be such a, a root cause of a lot of 
what we're talking about. I, I think it can work, but it, it definitely has to can. be very clear to find roles. I mean, most of most businesses in this country are actually family owned. You know, you look at yep. a Cooper, Carmen's Foods. You know, they're all family owned businesses. Yeah, fuck, they're expensive them Carmen's, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> what, the muesli bars? Oh, mate, like eight bucks. What are you a talking packet? about? Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jeez, they're expensive, but are you eating carbons, eh? Jeez. Expensive <laughs> taste, David. Check that out. <laughs> no, no, I can't afford that. I work for a charity. <laughs> and I buy them by the eight pack. <laughs> so I, th- I think, you know, clearly defined roles in family is, mm. is what the, you need to separate the business from the family. Obviously, there is some intertwinement there. Yeah, yeah. But you need to understand your role within the family business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, you know, and almost treat it like an employee, employer. Yeah, relationship. Well, a good mate of mine, his his family, um, yeah, did it fantastically. I went to yeah college with him at Marcus, and he's it, it's the best I've ever seen. Like, there's you know three kids, um, and it was like yeah, one of them was going home, and the other two, it was just said right, oh, if you guys don't want to come home, well then we'll buy your share out of your inheritance now. You know, we'll buy an asset. You know, in this city, we'll buy you this asset in that city, and then you guys are bought out. And now, old mate's going to run it, and eventually it's supposed to be his. And everyone said no worries. See, I had a, like, flipping that on its head, though. Really interesting dynamic with a mate who did that. Like, the, did it, set it up really well. The sisters went, bang, you've got a house in town, you've got a house in town. And then the sisters turn around and go, we want to come back to the farm. Oh, yeah, fuck. And just, yeah, she blows up again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's hard because especially if, uh, as soon as, what, what happens, you've got your parents that are, that are running it and then you've got a few kids that come home and then they get married and have kids and then they're going, fuck, my missus, you know, she's she's going, you know, are we secure here? And then they start knocking on the door. Then all of a sudden, it's just, again, that family dynamic. It's, poof, it just, yeah, it's it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. Bloody ass is. is there anyone doing it well? Like, we're talking about succession planning here, and you're talking about, you know, obviously communication within the family dynamic. But, like, that requires a conversation, but it requires quite a, a, a long and deep conversation and quite a raw conversation yeah well are these yeah. being had no there's a lot of people out there that do it yeah and see like i reckon it's the the approach is it's where you you need to look at the family businesses as a true business and that's where i reckon having an external advisor or like oh, yeah. a board member come in but i think yeah, it's a mediator <laughs> yeah but a lot of people again they just <laughs> yeah, people just white, white knuckle it through that's the hardest part but a lot of the bigger families actually do that they put a family board in place with an external advisor to head it up to to manage the business dynamics as well as the family dynamics and talk yeah. about what the purpose and the values of the family are. And, and values come, you know, has to be a massive part of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, what's what's our values as a family as well as what's our values as a business, but also tie that back to our personal values. Seven you habits of highly effective people. You've been reading, Mabs. I don't read, Rossi. I can't oh, read. You know that. Sh- that's a good all he, all he reads is the ingredients on his Carmen's box. <laughs> <laughs> can't see the price. <laughs> oh, um, oh, and so that's what I reckon it, like, it comes back to as well, which obviously you guys have found. Is that it's, and I was talking with you about it before, Mark, but it's like purpose and obviously like there's the business purpose, but it's like what do people individually want to actually get out of it? And I was saying that there's people that I work with even myself at to- like at times this year and probably quite a lot really questioning myself and it's like, well, like there, there's aspects of what I want to be but is it really like – and is what I'm doing now actually fulfilling who I want to be? I, I and agree. You've got to be so honest with yourself but also those around you and shit, that takes some vulnerability, I've, doesn't I it? I spent 25 years miserable working in financial services, you know, working with some really high net worth clients Um and, you know, as an investment advisor and a financial advisor, making them more wealthy for, for the better part. But it's not fulfilling, mm. not for me. But here I am now um, heading up the, this charity, the TX, and living my best life. You know, passion has finally met purpose. Yeah. yeah. And I also tack onto the back of that is that, like things like purpose and fulfillment and passion and these kinds of words, I, that's all impermanent. It's temporary. It's not. I, I don't believe that you get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, this is me. Yeah, this Dream is me. You just, cut, you just coast this on is, through. And this, like, this is, is me forever. It's like everything. Like you know, happiness, sadness, every emotion. It's all impermanent. It's just a fleeting moment in time. You know, and that's that's what gives us perspective. That's what that's how we you know work out what makes us tick and all that sort of stuff. But 
you know, where humans are an animal, we're a growth animal, right? Oh. Glen Azar. And we evolve. We evolve right the way through our entire life, right? There's no point at which we just stagnate. Yeah, and stop it's not developing. some end end goal where you get to the day and you're like, well, that's fucking it there. Our um, relation, that's death. Our relationships change, change. Our passions change. You know, our thoughts, feelings, emotions they change. Yeah. Like our friendship circles, they change. You know, it's like it's it's in, in the as sooner that we can accept that and understand that there is going to be no point where it's like, yep, this is me. I'm sweet. I'm done. And if you think you get to that point and you think that everything's fine and then, you you know, have a tragedy, you lose a family member somehow or something happens, it's going to happen. There's no – it's it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. So we have to prepare ourselves. We have to accept that, you know, everything is impermanent and to make the most of the opportunities that we've got. And so when those thoughts and feelings and emotions are, are swelling around your head, they're like, I'm not sure if this is what I want to do with my life, fucking listen to it. Make yeah. the most of it and, and act on it because you're the only person who can act on it. And weigh up what the worst thing that's going to happen is. I mean, look, obviously there's some the stuff that we're talking about with succession planning and all that sort of stuff in the ag industry. Obviously the family the dynamic, that's something I don't want to go near because that is, you know, pretty hectic. Right? I get that for sure. But, you know, we need to start acknowledging that gut feel that I'm talking about and act on it because you're the only one who can. Yeah, if you're battling a way to get out of bed every morning and it's been happening for six months, 12 months, two years, fuck, just make a change. Yeah. Or, or, or go and talk to someone, and it doesn't have to be a psychologist, but it can be. There's plenty of people out there who have been through similar exactly, situations That's exactly before, it, yeah. And they can say, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, mate, completely feel you. Been there before. This is what I did. You know, you, you need to learn from other people. Like, it's the best thing we can do. Um, I, I don't know, you know. When, when we ignore that is when we start to get into worse trouble. So, you know, the... the team upstairs of, of psychologists, they'll tell you, if you ignore your gut feel, if you ignore the problems that are gnawing away at you and don't deal with it as they start to come up, they'll tackle you down at some point and it's going to hit you harder and faster than it would have if you dealt with it when you first started to feel it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the other thing is, is you don't have to... Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, Sorry. God. Go on, no, jump joking, in there. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, no, sorry, no, I'm back onto it. You don't have to know. Here we go. Saddle up, you boys. See that, the bloke in your brain is Morse coding. So I feel like when you've got that gut feel or when things aren't quite right and you're questioning your existence and what you do for a living and your relationships or any of that sort of stuff and you want to make a change, I don't believe that you need to, that the change you make needs to be the solution. You don't have to know what the next thing is that you're going to do that is the be-all and end-all. Sometimes it's removing yourself from a certain situation in the first instance. you just got to get out somehow. You don't have to go on to the next, you know, successful thing that you're going to do or you don't have to go on to your next passion immediately. Sometimes we just need a bit of space. In fact, all the time we need a bit of space to think and gather our thoughts and figure out who it is we are, what we want to do. So removing yourself from a situation, making a conscious decision just to, ch- to change something, whether it's being stuck in a job. I've got a mate who has been a mechanic, motorbike mechanic, and he's just been hating it. He's done it for you know a few years. And he's been running this shop, and he's just you know he's been complaining about his job so much. And for six months, I've like, you can't harp on, you can't dr- drill it into someone, but I've like, no, and this guy needs to change his job. He just needs to change. He doesn't have to know what the next thing is. Hand in his resignation three weeks ago. Happiest he's ever felt. He's like, <laughs> just knowing that there's an end, just knowing that I've made a decision, that I've got some breathing room and I'm going to be able to change this now. He doesn't know what the next thing he, he's going to do is. But hey, he's around on the weekend. We were spitballing a whole bunch of ideas. Oh, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? He's like, oh, yeah, that'd be sick. What about that? You know what I mean? There's an opportunity now to like actually imagine a different future now that there's now that he's released himself from this shitty job that he just hated and that creates yeah. growth so yeah. yeah yeah so it's a good thing it's a really good thing. bloody oath absolutely uh, so i reckon I'm, I'm mindful of time here as well but um i want to come back to the the tx piece and i suppose a, a big part and like i was i was always coming to brizzy and i wanted to catch up with you guys anyway but yeah as i was saying before we started chatting off so one of our mates that we went to uni with obviously it had a, a long-term struggle but on the back end of that now we're going to see a lot of friends who are really going to struggle and question themselves. And I think you guys, like, well, one, we're all pretty similar ages, so I think we, we don't have to have all the answers here. But what are 
some of the considerations you reckon as as mates as we're looking out for each other or things to be mindful of over the next little while or or potentially even just some of those little triggers that maybe we need to yeah well i mean again i think it just comes back to to everyone looking at themselves you know and i think in these times now where you know there's been a friendship so a friend that has you know taken their life and there's a, a large group of, of people that are all connected through that often there'll be people that's what we're talking to kate everett about last night you know it's just like an adrenaline you're like worried about everyone yeah. else but it's like fuck you've just really got to take time for yourself and just and just sit back and just digest it and grieve and understand that what's happened is really shit um it it does happen to like a lot of people have been through it dan's been through it you know i've been you know i wasn't directly um mates with dan's mate who did take his life but you know i've been affected secondhand through that it's um the ability of just sitting back and looking at yourself and then once you're in a better space then you can support those around you because there's nothing worse than when there's a lot of people that are all very low trying to help one another yeah, if, if that makes sense. It sounds odd, but you need to be selfish in a time like this to look after yourself and then go out and help others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember sitting there wallowing with my mates all the same. We'd all lost the same mate and we just wallowed together, um, reminisced, all that sort of stuff, which was, you know, again, use that word again, cathartic for us. But um, I think there's only so much you can do as well. Like it definitely is very important to be looking out for each other, 100%. Um, creating opportunities for human connection, whether it's, you know, making a conscious effort to organise, you know, some sort of a regular meetup with people just to get together. It doesn't have to be about talking about your mental health. It's, in fact, probably the opposite, you know. It's just about being together, creating a space where you're strengthening relationships, whether it's over the barbecue or having a few beers together, talking about the footy, watching the bloody Big Bash, which I'm going to be doing a lot of. Um <laughs> You know, it's 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 that sort of quality time together that when something is up or when something's up with someone else, having built those strong relationships and knowing who those people are in your life that you can turn to, that's what will allow that person to know that they can reach out to those people. It's not just asking, are you okay, once a year. If you're building strong enough connections with people, you'll know when something's not okay. You know, yeah. you don't have to ask that question. And that's, I think, the most important thing and something that we really try to get across. We talk about human connection a lot, but if we're doing it properly, we don't have to ask the question. And so, you know, I mean, it maybe doesn't completely answer your question about signs to look out for, but I think, you know, when something drastic does happen, like if someone's taken their life in a friendship circle, mate, it's fucked. It's really, really hard to process. Um Ed's right. You need to be looking out for yourself 100%. Um, you need to know who those people are that you can talk to, whether it's, you know, family members or a colleague, mate, whatever it is. But, you know, understanding and keeping an eye out for people who are sort of becoming withdrawn. Um, if 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 mates who were always around start to become a little bit more withdrawn, I mean, we're, we're fortunate now to be able to have so much transparency in people's lives with social media and, and the like. Pick up on behaviours. If someone's been present on social media and been doing stuff and all of a sudden they're gone, and that's a sign that something might be up. Um, you know, if someone was always coming to the pub and now suddenly they don't have the time or they can't, you know, they can't get there enough, that's a sign that something might be up with that person. You know, like there's... We're pretty observant creatures, you know. It's just about being able to take the time and being able to understand and watch out for that sort of stuff. But to Mark's point with the... Fit your own mask first. Ed's point with looking after yourself. That is number one. You cannot look after anyone else if you're not giving yourself the the time that you deserve. If you need a little bit of time away, that's great. If you need to talk to a mental health professional, please do it because it's very beneficial. Um, It's a a complicated subject, but, you know, something we're obviously pretty passionate about and want to improve. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave back, you know, I think for you and your mates, exactly right. You need time to grieve yourself and, and process what's happened. But at the same time, you, you you also need to watch out that one of your mates isn't going to feel a bit the same way and start to become, you know, despondent or as Dan nailed it with his explanation, you know, starting to pull away from the tribe and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, we do outbound, not just inbound, is what I'll say. So if, if you're worried about a mate, um, ring up and have a chat to one of our guys. And if you're still uncomfortable about having that conversation, let's face it, it can be difficult. 
you know, that's why we exist, um, we'll do an outbound call. You know, we'll ask you permission and get the details and just say, hey, it's, you know, it's so-and-so from TX, you've got a mate or family member in your network that's worried about you. Is there something you want to get off your chest? Do you want to have a chat about yeah. anything? Yeah. You know, we, we don't just wait for people to call inbound. Yeah, 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 100%. I reckon it comes back to two, like that, the gut feel, which you're talking about. If you've got a gut feel that something's up with someone, you're probably right. Trust yeah. it, trust it. Mm. And and so if people are, this is your chance for your jingle again here, Dan. What's that? Uh, <laughs> if people, yeah, obviously we've got the trademark shirts, which everybody, or hopefully everyone knows, extremely colourful. You've got your barbecue and summer kits as barbecue well. Barbecue collection, yeah. yeah. Aussie made t-shirts, by the way. 100% Lovely. Aussie made, cotton as well. So get around it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, can you beatbox for me and I'll do the and I'll do the <laughs> jingle over the top of that. All three of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, TX is available for anyone, and and also particularly worth noting with this conversation, it's available for support networks of people who might be struggling, and that's one of the big things that we like to promote because often it's the people who are the mates or the family of someone who's doing it really tough that are bearing the brunt of of that situation because people don't know how to help, so. If you find yourself in that situation, please reach out to TX, um, www.allthews.fuckthatup.tx.org or flick a text or call 04888 Lovely. Thanks, Ollie. Well, fellas, thanks for joining me. And I reckon, yeah, just on the back end of that, if anyone needs to chat, yeah, just need someone to talk to, jump on the text line, give TX a call and Absolutely. Get, get around it. Rural's right in our network. Yeah, 100%. It's important to know. Yeah. While, while we're out there as a blue-collar charity, rural and remote, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Thanks, mate. It was Lovely. great. Cheers, Cheers Ellie. Thanks, Good on you, mate. So that one was slightly different to our other podcast that we started to settle into last year. It was the first time I've sat down with such a big group of people. But also it was one of the very few, I reckon, one of two or three podcasts I actually had the chance to do face-to-face. If you or someone you know is needing help, you can reach out to the TX Foundation at tx.org or text or call 04888-46988. There is help out there and here at Humans of Agriculture, we're absolutely committed to shifting the conversations around mental health and supporting our friends and family around us. We're looking forward to joining you guys again next week. It's been a little while off the tools, so we might be a bit rusty, but... We're getting back into it for 2021 and I look forward to seeing you guys next Wednesday. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane and we'll chat to you then.